Hello, everyone. This is Manny Fishman of the Buckhalter Law Firm. And I am joined today by Jonathan August, another member of the real estate group. Jonathan is our resident expert on the various rent deferrals and eviction moratoriums in California. And uh, we thought it would be a good time to go over a comparison of San Francisco's newly adopted ordinance on rent deferrals and eviction moratorium and compare it to some of the other major cities in California. Uh, with the beginning of the new year, landlords and tenants are going to be focused on a new business plan and whether they can pay rent. And there's going to be an increased motivation to either get tenants to pay rent or for tenants to assert the fact that they can no longer pay rent. So Jonathan, let's start. Um, in late November, on November 30th, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors uh, adopted an ordinance uh, temporarily restricting landlords from evicting commercial tenants. And then the day after, on December 1, they actually amended and readopted that ordinance to clarify an ambiguity about whether tenants had a right to terminate their leases. Why don't we start there? Can you just go over what the San Francisco Board of Supervisors did um, on December 1? of 2020. Yeah, um, again, Manny, thanks for having me on to discuss uh, these moratoriums. Uh, so on uh, December 1st, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors amended and restated uh, a, a previous um, uh, ordinance regarding eviction moratoriums and rent deferrals within the county. Um, and this ordinance um, provides that certain uh, tenants in within the city, commercial tenants, uh, based on the number of full-time employees they have, um, broken down into four different tiers, um, that they will have um, an automatic rent deferral through the end, as of right now, March 31st, of, um, which may be extended by the state of California. Um, and then based on the number of full-time employees you have and which tier you qualify in, um, you will have up to 24 months thereafter to repay any deferred rent. Um, and uh, the tiers, as, as I mentioned, are broken down by full-time employees. Uh, zero to nine, you are a tier one tenant. Uh, 10 or to uh, 24, you are a tier two. 25 to 49, you are a tier three. And anything above 50, you are a tier four tenant. Um, and again, this also follows the previously enacted uh, mayoral moratorium um, which, this, which this superseded, uh, but still held the definition that a covered commercial tenant uh, means that you are a tenant that has had $25 million of gross receipts or less uh, in calendar year 2019 or prorated for as long as you were in business uh, in San Francisco. So a lot there, Jonathan. Uh, still, in order to take advantage of the benefits of this ordinance, you need to be a covered commercial tenant which still means you have to have $25 million or less in gross receipts for calendar year 2019. Correct. 
and the amount of employees you have is fixed as of November of 2020, even though the period that you're granted rent deferral goes through at least March 31 of 2021, the measurement of whether you're in a tier is based on the number of full-time employees you had in November of 2020. That's correct. And, and that was actually one of the uh, ambiguities that the Board of Supervisors fixed uh, in the December 1st update um, because they were concerned that tenants and landlords would be fighting every month uh, about, you know, oh, did I qualify this month? Or did you not qualify this month based on the number of employees uh, a tenant may have? And so they said, for the purposes of this uh, um, ordinance, whatever a tenant had as of November 1st of this year, that's the benchmark and that's what's going to be used going forward. Um, and so that we don't bury uh, one of the more important uh, amendments that uh, the Board of Supers Supervisors clarified, uh, the Tier 1 covered commercial tenants were granted a special right, a right to, uh, under certain circumstances, literally terminate their leases. Yes. Um, the circumstances that um, this can happen in are if you are a Tier 1 tenant that is a, a covered commercial tenant uh, that has zero to nine employees, so we're talking the smallest of small businesses uh, within, within the county, um, that those businesses, if you are unable to reach a mutually satisfactory agreement with your landlord uh, for rent deferral, that uh, upon 30 days notice, the tenant can simply, as you said, terminate their lease. Regardless of whether or not that right was granted to them in the lease itself, the Board of Supervisors has said that the impact on small businesses has been the most severe, and therefore, in order to protect them, uh, we are giving them this unilateral right to terminate their lease if they can't reach an appropriate agreement. And we should get one more thing out on the table. A covered commercial tenant for purposes of these benefits does not include most office tenants. It's mostly reserved for retail tenants and I think nonprofits. That's correct. Uh, so a lot here to unpack, but I think we've given you some of the basics of what is a covered commercial tenant, office tenants, even if you're a tier one with small number of employees you do not get the benefit of uh, this new ordinance. Um, uh, uh, so it mostly applies to retail or uh, industrial tenants. Uh, and secondly, as Jonathan has said, uh, for the most vulnerable uh, commercial tenants, which the Board of Supervisors classified as commercial tenants with under 10 employees as of November of 2020, uh, if that tenant is unable to reach an agreement about repayment of their deferred rent, uh, then they have a right to terminate it, the lease. Now, that right of termination, Jonathan, doesn't for, forgive them of their obligation to pay the past due rent. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, any, any rent that had previously come due um, from uh, March of this year, which is when this uh, ordinance is retroactive to, through whatever date of termination uh, the tenant um, uh, issues with, with their landlord when they give notice, um, all 
accrued rent up until that time um, it is required to be paid, uh, although the Board of Supervisors has also said that a landlord cannot charge penalties. So no interest and no late fees on any of those amounts. So whatever the base rent and or additional rent that's required under your lease, if you are a, if you are a, a tier one uh, covered commercial tenant, that is what is due when you terminate. So there are a lot of nuances that landlords and tenants need to be aware of. There is an implied duty to try to reach a satisfactory agreement. Uh, and uh, remember for tier one uh, tenants, uh, the law gives them, this new ordinance gives them the right to at least 24 months to repay uh, the deferred rent. But if they're unable to, and uh, they just, can't reach an agreement about how long to repay it, uh, the tenant is given a right to terminate. And what that basically means for those listening is future damages are not recoverable. So if you had a five-year lease and you terminate in year two, while the law might give you the right to recover a portion of your future rent, this uh, ordinance uh, takes that away and all you do is pay past due rent that's been deferred, presumably, uh, without uh, interest or or late charges, um, and Jonathan, this the, the San Francisco ordinance also has a a little bit of uh, benefit to some landlords, does it? It does. Um, the, one of the unique uh, situations uh, here in San Francisco is the number of of sort of small commercial landlords, uh, given the size of buildings in San Francisco. And what the Board of Supervisors has done is uh, for uh, landlords who own 25,000 square feet uh, or less, and that's rentable square feet with, within the county, um, they are exempt uh, from these rules, meaning that they can continue to evict their tenants, uh, even if they otherwise would qualify under this ordinance. They have the ability to go ahead and, and evict them, um, you know, going forward. And, and, and that's crucial for a lot of these small landlords who may have certain obligations to meet with their lenders uh, and they need to find ways uh, of, of obtaining cash flow, maybe renting out to a different tenant. Um, so this, this gives them those rights um, to go ahead and, 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 you know, work their business and, and move through with their buildings as necessary. Presumably the landlord that wants to take advantage of this exemption has to also show that it is experiencing significant financial hardship. Correct, and, and, and that typically you'd see uh, in, in the form of um, a, you know, a note or a loan that the landlord has um, that's used to, to finance their building and the uh, bank or lender says, you, you must pay me certain amounts of money and the, the landlord has no ability to get cash flow unless they re-rent out the space. This is really more the situation that we're talking about. Yeah it seems to be a very um, limited benefit to the landlord. Uh, as uh, Jonathan and I know from our uh, practice, uh, it's tough for landlords to re-rent uh, yes. retail space, industrial space. Uh, the market for that is, is dried up. And so just being able to kick out the tenant uh, doesn't really get you the cash flow you need but it does give you an added leverage uh, to be able to enforce your lease. Uh, let's now kind of try to put San Francisco uh, in context. Um, how does San Francisco's approach to uh, eviction moratorium and rent deferral compare, let's say, to Los Angeles? 
Yeah, so um, in, in Los Angeles, um, the city and county have taken slightly different approaches uh, as to how long the moratorium period is um, for rent deferral, as well as for the amount of time that certain tenants um, have to repay such rents. Uh, the uh, county has said that through the end of this month, which is January of this year, uh, that that is the period for which rent deferral may be obtained, whereas the uh, city itself, if you are a tenant within the city of Los Angeles, um, you have an additional extended period through however long uh, the state mandates. Uh, so it's slightly different amounts of time there for, uh, for how long rents are deferred. And then um, based also on how uh, big of a business you are, um, the county classifies it as uh, 100 or less you qualify, whereas the city has 500 full-time employees or less. So significant differences there in terms of which commercial tenants qualify. Um, those, you, those tenants can uh, obtain the benefits of these moratorium. Um, it is uh, very different from the San Francisco uh, version of the moratorium, which is based on a, a much smaller tiered system, uh, as well as it does not um, differentiate between different types of commercial tenants. Uh, so all office tenants, all retail tenants are uh, uh, able to take advantage of the Los Angeles ordinances, whereas we said in San Francisco, it really is only for nonprofits and retail tenants. And the period of time in Los Angeles given to covered commercial tenants, which as you said, is broader than in San Francisco. Uh, what is the period of time given to those tenants to repay deferred rents? Yeah, so it, within the county, uh, if you have nine or fewer full-time employees, and again, this is similar to the San Francisco ordinance um, in, in at least creating a somewhat of a sub-tier, um, that those qualified tenants uh, will have up to 12 months following the end of the moratorium period. Uh, whereas if you are a, uh, otherwise a qualified tenant in the county, which means you have under 100 employees, uh, you will get up to six months uh, to um, repay uh, uh, that period. Um, additionally, um, in, in the city uh, of Los Angeles, um, that amount of time actually is, is somewhat unknown uh, as they are going to be basing that off of uh, however long the moratorium period uh, extends out for. So again, um, these are all sort of uh, varying timeframes at the moment, um, and, and we won't really know uh, uh, until uh, the moratorium period as provided by the state of California is finalized uh, and is not extended. That will then determine the total amount of length of time for certain tenants to repay their, their past due rents. And I know this is confusing to those listening, but what Jonathan and I have been referring to as the state moratorium period uh, is um, a short-term way of saying that uh, in March of 2020, when the governor declared a state of emergency, uh, the governor uh, said that the state was waiving certain limitations on local municipalities to enact eviction moratorium and rent deferrals. The state law would generally govern and supersede or preempt local law. But in his state of emergency declaration back in March 2020, the governor said that municipalities could enact certain moratorium. And most of, most of the local municipalities 
San Francisco included, have said that the rent deferral period will continue as long as this waiver remains in place by the state of California, effectively saying as long as the governor believes there's a state of emergency in California, we, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and other municipalities have the right to do this. And until that expires, that's when we are deferring rent. That's, that's correct. Well, let's, let's now deal with this thorny issue, um, and it'll help us put California in the context of what's happening in the nation. Um, I think both you and I were a bit surprised that the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, in addition to granting rent deferral and eviction moratorium, said uh, that uh, certain tenants, uh, admittedly the most vulnerable class of commercial tenants, had a right to uh, terminate their lease and in a sense, unwind a written contract. Yeah. Why is that shocking to you and me? <laughs> yeah, uh, under the California Constitution, um, th there's a clause which says that municipalities um, don't have a right to abrogate a otherwise normal standard commercial contracts. Um, and, and because of that, what the San Francisco Board of Supervisors has done has simply inserted a termination right into every tier one covered commercial tenants lease in, this, in the county and given them a right to terminate uh, at their own free will, whether or not the landlord has agreed or is, is otherwise okay with this. Uh, and as you and I have talked about, um, this sort of impinges on, on two rights. Um, one is simply that it was not a term that was agreed to by the parties. And the second is, as you've mentioned before, Manny, um, is really more on, on the damages side and the remedy side for, for the landlords. And that, that what the uh, Board of Supervisors has done has effectively prohibited landlords from, from exercising their otherwise legal and lawful um, you know, rights with respect to damages and remedies in the event of a breach of a lease. And we don't have any good uh, solution to this other than um, a practical one, which is uh, if a landlord does not think that a tenant will be able to survive the pandemic and come out the other end with a, a viable business, uh, this will push the parties to enter into a termination agreement. Uh, if a landlord believes the tenant does have a viable business and can come out in Q2 or Q3 of 2021, then this will push the parties to reach an agreement. It just, it seems to be um, a heavier hand and one that does not seem clearly permitted by law uh, that the Board of Supervisors has placed their finger on the scale. Um, and so this gives us an opportunity to talk about how uh, this is playing out um, in other metropolitan areas of the country. Uh, and recently in uh, New York, in New York City, uh, we've seen some recent cases uh, of office tenants uh, and retail tenants uh, trying to uh, assert various rights to get them out of their leases because of COVID-19. Uh, and in December 2020, there were two trial court decisions with written opinions uh, where uh, the same judge applying the, the law to both uh, an office tenant lease and a, a retail tenant lease said, it is not for the judiciary on its own 
to rewrite contracts and shift the risk of loss between a landlord and tenant. And we therefore uh, decline to uh, allow tenants to uh, exercise their remedies of impossibility, frustration of purpose, lack of consideration, and uh, other remedies which tenants have been putting in their complaints. Uh, so I think that's an interesting uh, development as well. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I'm, I'm actually somewhat surprised um, at the sort of the broad scope of, of those opinions um, in that the uh, trial court judge in New York rejected everything out of hand uh, that the tenant uh, was making. I, I think a number of attorneys, uh, including myself, who've written on this topic, felt that there was some viability um, to some of the arguments, particularly related to impracticability um, of, of leases and frustration of purpose um, during a pandemic, in, in which uh, if a uh, city government says you cannot open your business uh, public health reasons, uh, that there is a somewhat of a, a decent argument from the tenant's perspective that they are not obtaining um, the benefit that they agreed to with their landlord for the space. Um, and as, as, you, as you just mentioned, that judge said that it is not the judici judiciary's role to simply allocate the risk after the fact. Um, the parties have, have you know, agreed to that in their lease. They're commercially uh, uh, sophisticated parties, and therefore it is not our job afterwards to go ahead and, and although there are some severe change circumstances, it is not the, the job of judges uh, and courts to reallocate risk within the lease. We have seen some differences in uh, the way this is played out in bankruptcy courts. Uh, there as well, though, we're seeing a difference between uh, parts of the country in the East Coast. It appeared in the major uh, retail bankruptcies uh, in New York that judges were more lenient in giving the debtor the right to defer repaying rent. But recently in some of the bankruptcies that were filed in West Coast jurisdictions, judges have been more um, strict in adhering to state law and not granting debtors uh, broad rights on deferral. So uh, well, it's yet to see how this plays out, uh, but uh, uh, at least in San Francisco, uh, we can see some rules coming into play. So with that, um, thank you, uh, Jonathan, for the first podcast of uh, 2021. Um, I think you and I agree that the, the world just didn't change automatically uh, now that we crossed into a new year. And the the impacts of the pandemic um, are continuing. Yeah, it, they absolutely are. I, I think when we first did our, our first podcast on on these topics, uh, you know, there were, there were hopes that you know by the end of 2020 things would be mostly back to normal, um, that businesses would be reopening, um, and that a lot of the uh, deferral and rent abatement agreements that we had been uh, drafting for our clients really would no longer be necessary. Um, and it is clear now um, that although a vaccine is now uh, being distributed nationwide and worldwide, uh, and, and and there is maybe a light at the end of the tunnel uh, for all of this, that at least in the short term, um, these effects are still going to be ongoing and litigation and municipalities are still weighing uh, how to balance all of these uh, different concerns uh, regarding COVID-19. Thank you very much, Jonathan. It's a great segue to the next podcast. As you know, in the last week of uh, 2020, uh, President Trump did finally sign into law uh, the relief package and it contains
making provisions for new PPP loans, a second draw loan. Some of that has application to real estate, and we'll cover that in our next podcast. Thank you very much. And if you have any questions, please feel free to call Jonathan August or myself.